And um, in light of that uh, little video there, it is pretty interesting, this whole idea of growth, of things growing, and this desire to have a good life. Um, And if you really think about it, really, if something is good, I think it can be synonymous with growth. If something is growing, we say that it's good. And um, as we look at this idea of starting off brand new in 2012 and where are we going to end up by the end of the year, and that's kind of what we want to look at. Um, For a second, let's just reflect back uh, to 2011 and where you started a year ago and how you're doing right now. And so uh, for my daughter, Ashlyn, her birthday is actually the week before Christmas. And so do you guys do this? Do you guys uh, uh, have the door or whatever, and you put the pencil marks and you, you mark your kids? How many of you guys do that? You mark your kids for how they, that was so fun. In fact, my dad did that for us. It's so, even as an adult, I love going back and seeing how I was taller than my other brother, you know, and this idea of growth. So Ashlyn, uh, it's her birthday and it's this huge deal. You know, she's, she's eight, she just turned nine, and she's going to find out if she grew. And she was an inch and a half, woo, taller. And so for her, that was a good year, right? I mean, that would have been awful if she hadn't grown very much. So somehow growth is synonymous, you know, with being good. Um, on the flip side of that, my buddy uh, Brad started off 2011 in January at a certain weight. And by the end, in December of 2011, he had lost 45 pounds. Now, is that a good year? Okay, so how many of you want that this year? All right, I mean, so that that would be something that we'd long for. We would say, isn't it interesting, too, that when you're a kid, growing, it means growing this way. And when you're little, growing, or when you're larger, growing means this way. Um, But we want to have a good year. And so physically, financially, What's a good year? If you look back at the year and maybe you moved into a larger home, that's good. If all of a sudden you have a nicer car, if your possessions somehow improved, if you have more of what you had than you had last year, we often think, well, that was a really good year. If your bank account grew, right, when the economy's good and your bank account's growing, the economy is good (laughs) because it's growing. And if you have a bigger salary... See, that's, that was a good year. If you got a raise, then that's a really good thing. But what's interesting is you only get a bigger salary. Your salary only grows if you're what? If you're what? Yeah, if you're good, <laughs> right? And so your salary grows if you're productive. I mean, your business, whatever you worked for, had to be productive. See, that's another way that we, that's another synonymous word with good, is if it's producing something, that's a good year. And so last night, I am wearing black. My Lions lost last night, which is a very, very sad thing. Um, sorry for you who aren't football fans. But, but three years ago, my, my team was 0-16. And, and this year, they made the playoffs. And I texted my brother, who's kind of my, my heart fan, connection fan back in Michigan. And I just connect, I, I texted him, and I just told him. I said, you know what? That was a good year. Because when you increase your productivity... When all of a sudden you're better, something has grown, it's good. And so we mature, we grow in our character. And if we look at you, look at yourself right now. If you could remember who you were a year ago, and you can look at yourself today, and you know that you've grown in your character, you could say that was a really good year. Or how about your relationships? Our relationships grow too, right? And they can grow between your spouses and between you and your kids or your friends or your coworkers. And we say they grew tighter or we grew closer together. And if that happened, 
You guys had a good year. So let me ask you, how was 2011? All right, cool. That's good. That was, that was better than 930. You're doing better. All right. And, and it's still, it was like, ah. okay. So when we think about this 2012 year, where are we starting right now? Who are you and where are you? And where could you be in December? And here's what I want to give you, man. I want to, I, today, um, this parable that, uh, that Patrick just read for you, I read that uh, probably in the early fall of this last year. And when I went through that parable, I actually sat with it for four days and just tried to, to dig down and get down and dirty with it and try to figure out what does this parable really mean? And I just sensed God saying to me, you guys need to do a series on this because I want to tell every person in your church. And so thanks for being here today. Because I think that God wants to tell you something very specific. Let me start with this. Jesus said that he came so that we could have life to the full. Life to the full. Now, would that be good? Okay. That would be really good. And so partly what he says to us is, I believe that God wants 2,000. And I feel like I can say this to every one of you, and I believe it's true for me. That I think that God wants 2012 to be a good year. And I think, as we're going to look at today, that a good year in God means that there is growth. Now, can I just ask you guys as well? How many of you know that when God says something good, it's a little bit different than when we say it's good? (laughs) You all know that? Okay, if you don't know that yet, just hang on with him for a little while, and he'll totally screw you up, okay? (laughs) So um, his idea is really different. But what we're going to do is we're going to do a series this year that's going to talk about how do we get down and dirty into the deep places of our hearts, okay? It all starts, we're going to find out today, it all starts with your heart. And God is saying, you know what, he gives us this great parable and says, I just want to let you know that there is something that can happen in your heart. And not only does he in this parable warn us or, or give us the hope of what can happen, he also tells us and warns us of different ways that could hinder that growth from happening. And we are going to start off with you. Please join us in the month of January. We're going to take four weeks and we're going to look at what God wants to do for us and what might help us experience that and what might hinder it for us. All right? So if you weren't in, uh, uh, if you just kind of came in recently, Patrick uh, uh, read for us this parable of the sower. It's a, it's a popular uh, story in the Bible that Jesus told uh, about a guy. And if you were here, uh, this is kind of what happened. There's a farmer, and he went out, and he went to sow some seed. Okay? Now, how many of you guys plant gardens? Any of you guys plant gardens? All right. I mean, all of us, we, 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 at some point, we, we kind of do that, all right? Well, back then, in that day and age, they planted uh, their fields and their gardens a lot differently than we do, okay? The first thing they did is they went to REI and got one of these nice, handsome bags, all right? So, no, but this is the closest thing I had. But they would have some sort of satchel like this, and then what they would do is they would have paths in the midst of, of their fields, and they would just sow seed. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just... I, I need some. Okay, you need some seed. Okay, cool. I told people I, I wasn't going to throw it in their hair, but, uh, but seriously, they would just walk around and they would just, you all right? Here you go. <laughs> we will be gentle. But they, he, and this is what he would do. He would just go around and he'd just throw seed around and it'd end up all over the place. And, um, and, that, and, they, and what the parable said is as the guy went along and he sowed his seed, that sometimes the seed fell on the path that he was on. 
And sometimes the seed fell on what he called um, rocky soil. So it fell on the places where it wasn't really fertile yet, and it was kind of rocky. And then there was other seed that it was mixed in. It wasn't totally free of everything. had weeds in it, had thorns in it, and the seed would grow up. And then, as he threw it, some of the seed actually landed on good soil. All right? So this is, that's how he went. He just went around and he throwed his seed over. Now here, when I thought about doing this, first of all, anytime the pastor gets off the stage, everybody freaks out. <laughs> so I understand that. So I should do that more often, actually. Probably be good for you. Um, but seriously, I was really curious as to how, how you guys would respond. How many of you just totally sat there and didn't do anything when I walked by with the seed? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, almost all of you. You're like, okay, this is really weird, you know. Some of you go, I need some seeds. Some of you actually kind of opened up your hands, right, and in case it threw, you kind of caught it. And, and it was just this kind of really awkward moment. And what's interesting is uh, what Jesus does is he comes along and he uses stories all the time to help, uh, help people understand how God works. And I love that about him. Very simple things. So when he did that and he went around, he threw seed, everybody knew that some of the seed landed on the, on the path and it didn't grow. And people knew that some of it landed in rocky soil and it'd come up, but then it never was, you know, it just kind of died off. And people knew too, if, they, if the seed grew up and there were a bunch of thorns in it and stuff, it kind of, it grew, but it didn't ever become fruitful. And, and then they knew that sometimes you'd plant seed and it'd actually grow. Now, can I just ask you a question though? Just when you throw seed out, what do you want it to do? Yeah. I, I mean, you put it out so it will grow. And not only grow, but it will become productive. It will become fruitful. So, and here's what was interesting. So Jesus tells this story, this parable, and a lot of people are going, okay, so what was that all about? <laughs> kind of like you guys are a lot on Sunday when I teach. Um, but he just said, so his disciples came to him, and they said, well, why do you always teach in these stories? And Jesus kind of, I won't go deep into this, but he said, because, because if you noticed, he ended the story by saying this. He tells all the different soils that are out there. And then he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And what Jesus knew was this. I'm going to tell this story. And some people are going to have really no interest in it at all. And others are going to totally want to know what it was all about. And what was so interesting, his disciples came to him. They said, tell us what this means. And this is one of the rare occasions where Jesus actually describes, where he goes ahead and let me explain to you exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? So listen to this. And what I did, you guys, this story is in the book of Mark, and Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's actually mentioned three times. Um, all three of the writers decided to do this. And, and, but there's a few little nuances in each one of them. So the passage you're going to see up here on your screen is not going to be, it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I kind of put them all together, took the three stories and put them together. Okay? Here's Jesus. Listen to what the parable means. The seed is the word of God. And the message about the kingdom. Those along the path are the ones who hear and, but then the devil comes and he takes away the word from their heart so that they may not understand, believe, and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing and trouble, they fall away. 
The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, the deceitfulness of riches and pleasures, and they do not mature, and they're not fruitful. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, accept it, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So here's what Jesus is saying to you. The seed is the word of God. And the word of God goes out all the time. But it lands on four different types of people. And so really what I love about God is that he wants us all to grow. And the hope for you this year, here's God saying to you, I'm throwing seed. He's the farmer and he's throwing out the seed. And you answered the question, why do you throw out seed? Because you want it to grow. (laughs) And God longs for you to have a life of 30, 60, 100 times this year. And you can know that. But there are three things that Jesus warns us about that hinder us from experiencing that type of life. So today, what I'm going to share with you is we're going to talk about the good soil. We're going to cast the vision first. We're going to talk about what does it mean to have good soil so that when the word of God touches our heart, it actually multiplies itself and grows. And a year from now in December, you could look back and go, 2012 rocked my world. 2012, I totally grew. It was an unbelievable year. And the next three weeks, we're going to look at Jesus's warnings and say, okay, well, let's, let's be careful because he makes it really clear in the story. There are three things you got to look out for that'll actually hinder your growth. And we just thought, what a great way to start the year. Let's know what it is to grow and let's be, make sure that we're aware of what's going to come against us to keep from that from happening. You guys in? Yeah. All right. Okay, well, let's pray then and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you for your word to us because it is so clear that you love us. And thank you, Jesus, for helping us to know that when you came, you said, I came so that you could have life and life to the full. That we can know somehow, God, if we will receive this word of yours and understand it, accept it, retain it, persevere with it, you're telling us that you can do something, you can do something inside of us that's unbelievable. That's supernatural. That's good. So Lord, I would just ask, would you come right now this morning? You know everybody who's here. You know the state of their heart right now. I'm going to ask specifically today that you just pour your grace on all of us and help our heart to be good soil today so that we can receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now here's what's interesting, you guys, is seeds are kind of paradoxical because on one one side, a seed is um, actually really powerful, okay? Now, I don't know about this one. This is just uh, safflower or something. I think it's a a small thing. I I should have grabbed an acorn because if you think about an acorn, right, why is an acorn powerful? Because inside an acorn is what? Yeah, and those are huge. And on that tree, what are there? Tons of acorns, 
I grew up out in the woods. I know tons of acorns. And so inside of one acorn is the power to produce a huge tree that produces hundreds of acorns that if they all died and went to the ground, what would they do? Produce trees that would produce tons of acorns. And so out of one seed is the power to produce wood that could cover this whole continent. Seriously, right? That is a lot of power. And at the same time, if I had an acorn, I could throw it on the ground and I could stomp on it. (laughs) and it'd be done. Isn't that weird? Inside a seed, it's very powerful, and it's completely weak. It can be something that produces much, and it can be something that has no effect whatsoever. See, that's really interesting, because what Jesus says is that God's word is the seed. And he uses this example. Let me try to share this with you. God's word is unbelievably powerful. It is alive. And and this is the stuff where, um, why, why even reading, like understanding, experiencing, reading the Bible, not for information or trying to get it or to critique it. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but I'm telling you, there's something about God's word that has always been powerful. In fact, in the very beginning, it says that God spoke his word and the world was created. See, that's what I'm doing right now is there's words and what a word is, is that my ideas, everything that's inside of me, you now get to know because a, a, a word is an idea that is expressed. And now all of you have a chance. This is weird, actually. I think about this. All of you today have a chance to have your own mind stimulated and your heart moved simply because I'm saying some words. That's bizarre. See, but God says, when I, cre- when I speak my word, it creates things. It moves things. It's powerful and it's living. And so in 1 Peter 1, 23, it says, For you have been born again. And we talk about this a lot because this is the term Jesus used. And born again means that you have this spiritual transformation that takes place inside of you where you literally receive a new spiritual nature. It's radical. It's supernatural. But listen to what it says. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. In fact, so what he's saying is, the spiritual transformation that can take place in your life comes from hearing the word of God. And it's living and it's enduring. Jesus quoted an Old Testament passage when he says, the man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's Jesus, and he's helping us. If you really want to live, you don't just live on bread alone. You live, you really live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is powerful. And here's how it's powerful. Is God's word produces fruit in you. It produces fruit in you and it produces fruit through you. Here's what Jesus said in John 15. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. I love that. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you might have a shot. You know, he says, no, let me just tell you something. If you actually remain in me, Okay? Everything we talked about the last couple of months, really having fellowship with God. 
If you do this, he goes, you know what's going to happen? You will bear much fruit. Then he goes on to say, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, you're going to, what he's saying is there will be something in your life that will just show the rest of the world that you're my disciple because there's a change going on. Something's growing. Something's becoming fruitful. And then he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear much fruit. Fruit that will last. So what is this year, 2012, what is the promise of God to you today? The word is going to go out. It's going out right now. This is crazy. I mean, this is what's happening right now. Okay? Every Sunday you're here, we stand up here and we just throw stuff to you. Sorry. We just throw stuff out to you every day. And sometimes it lands on hard soil. Sometimes it lands on rocky soil. Sometimes it lands on thorny soil. And every once in a while, it finds a heart where it's good. And he says, you know what? When my word goes out to you, it will produce fruit in you. So here's what's cool, you guys. What does that fruit look like? Well, internally, there's an impact that God can have on your heart. I love the scripture. He just calls it the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. God is saying that my word, if you'll take it in, it will have such an impact on your life that your heart, your spirit, will start to look like mine. Okay? So now think about 2012 right now, because here's what he says. 30, 60, 100 times what you're like right now, internally inside your heart. And the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Gentleness faithfulness, and self-control. All right. Now, how do those sound? Okay. Anybody want those? All right. Let's, I mean, seriously, we just start with the first one, love. I mean, who who wants some love? Okay. I mean, who would want to be more loving? See, what God is saying is this year, 2012, you remain in me, I remain in you. Take my word inside of you. What my word inside of you will produce is love. 30 times more than what you got now. 60 times more. 100 times more. How about a hundred times more joy? Woo! Anybody? Come on, bring it on, man. How about some peace? Peace. Anybody know that this world is rough? Anybody know that this world is hard and tough? And to know that Jesus says, I don't give as the world gives. I give you my peace. And it can multiply inside of you 30, 60, 100 times. Patience, kindness, gentleness. How about any parents want that? How about being 30% more faithful than you are right now? How about if everybody around you a year from now knew that they could absolutely depend on you because you were completely trustworthy, that you always do what you say you're going to do, where you're true to your word, where you're a faithful person and people around, I'm telling you, the impact would be unbelievable. And how about a little self-control? The ability to say no to the things you wish you could say no to. See, this is what God is saying. This is, this is his promise to you, and it's awesome. And what's amazing, you guys, is this, is when the seed comes inside of you, the growth that happens, it's not mechanical growth, okay? It's organic growth. 
there's mechanical growth. And that would be, I heard the illustration to be like, you could, you could grow a pile of bricks, right? And you got one brick and you lay it down. You could, oh, I'll take another brick and I'll lay that one down. And you could just keep adding bricks, right? And now what you're doing is you are working really hard to grow this thing. That is really different than organic growth. See, what the illustration he gave was, I'm going to plant a seed inside your heart. And what's wild about a seed is gradually and slowly, it begins to change. And all of a sudden, it becomes an organism that's more complex, it's more rich, it's more beautiful, and it's happening. It's just, you look inside your heart and you realize, I'm changing. See, God wants to do the work inside of you. Now, can I just ask you a question? Do you guys see how different that is? Then I got to do all these things for God. And here's religion, right? That Jesus was so upset with. You got to do this and do that and do these and follow these rules and do all this kind of stuff. And then if you do, God just might be pleased with you, right? Grow, 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 grow. How different is that than what we're going to find out here where he says, actually, you know what happens? There's... What, ha- what, what happens is, how different is that type of growth than the type of growth that receives a seed and then naturally, beautifully, slowly, it starts to become everything it was meant to be. God does the work inside of you and he will create fruit in your heart. Now, here's the other thing. It's never just for you. Sure, you get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. But I, I can tell you what, anybody ever hung around someone who's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness? <laughs> I mean, those are cool people. You know what happens when you're full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control and faithfulness? You change the world. And see, so God is saying, here's fruit. Not only will I produce my fruit of my spirit inside of you, but once that fruit starts bubbling up inside of you, it will start squirting out all over and you will change your world. You will bear much fruit. He says, see, you didn't choose me. I chose you to go and bear fruit. And so what happens is when you take his word inside of you, you end up being a person who changes the world. Now, let me just ask you, and then we'll move on. I'll share with you how this happens. How many of you this year, right now, beginning in January 8th of 2012, want to come back here? Hopefully you'll be here all year, but you're going to be here in December of 2012, and your heart has been impacted by God and his word, and you have love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and all that 30, 60, 100 times. How many of you want that? Okay. Okay then you're in the right place. All right. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you right now, I don't know how you're living your life, but you get to December of 2012 and you look back and all of a sudden there are all these people that you've had a positive impact on and you've actually changed their lives. How many of you want that? I'm telling you. I know it might be, I know I'm supposed to raise my hand, so I will. There is no reason, there is no reason that your heart can't be different. And there is no reason that God can't make you a person who changes this world. 
no reason. We've all seen these amazing, when you're climbing up in the mountains, we've all seen these amazing plants that come right out of the rock, right? And you just go, how did that happen? Because seeds are powerful. And every one of you is a single individual seed that God wants to do something great in. So here's the deal. So God's word comes with power. It just does. And it will produce fruit in you and he'll change the word through you. Now here's the other thing. God's seed is also comes in weakness. It's so interesting to me that Jesus chose to let us know that God's word was like a seed. God's word could either produce fruit that produces fruit that produces fruit that covers up a whole continent or God's seed could be something that's just crushed and never becomes anything. Isn't that wild? See, he didn't say that God's word is a hammer, right? Now, how many of you have experienced the hammer in church, right? Where the person comes and says, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and God, you know, and, and Jesus didn't come down like that. He came down, even the way he came, we just celebrate Christmas. He came in the world, nobody knew it. You know, I mean, when you lay down a seed, right? Do you hear this like, and I know. I mean, when you, when, you, when you plant a seed, you're like, oh, where'd that thing go? You know, I mean, especially if you're, you're planting carrots or whatever, you know, and the seed, you, you lose the seed. It's so quiet. It's so small. And what's interesting in this story is Jesus throws out the seed and three out of the four reject it. There is no reason that your heart can't multiply 30, 60, 100 times. And there's no reason that you don't need to be a human being that God blesses with gifts and talents and love and freedom from yourself so that you can change the world. All it takes is his word alive in you. It's so powerful. And yet three out of four can like take an acorn and just, and it can do nothing. So we'll get to the warnings in the next three weeks, but let me just address them to you again. Sometimes the word comes and it lands on the path and it's just a hard heart. It's just, don't want to have anything to do with it and it bounces off and it makes no impact. Sometimes it falls on soil that he calls rocky. It actually comes up, but as soon as it gets hard and as soon as troubles come, we say, forget it, and it just withers away. Sometimes it grows up, but there's so much other stuff growing up with it that it chokes off any fruitfulness that really could be happening. And, um, and sometimes it changes you radically and completely and you end up changing the world. So how does it happen? Let me just quickly go through what Jesus taught us. Oh, one more thing. Can I just hear this? Here's the other thing I love about, again, those of you guys who plant garden, I don't know about you, when I buy seed, I don't just throw it anywhere. Do you guys do that? <laughs> I mean, I don't throw it, you know, in my lawn because that's not where I want it to go. I don't throw it on my driveway. I don't throw it on the rocky soil that isn't. What, what do you do? You've actually toiled the soil. You fertilized it. You put miracle Grow all over, right? And then you take each seed and you place it right where you've put the soil. I'm just so glad that we have a God who says, okay, now who's got their act together? Where's the good soil? Because that's where I'm going to plant my seed. Can you imagine if God did that? How many of you would be screwed? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, so here's, here's God in this story. 
He's throwing seed today on your path, your hard heart. He's throwing seed on your rocky soil. He's throwing seed in your thorny soil. And he's throwing seed on good soil. See, there's nothing wrong with the seed. And there's nothing wrong with the farmer. He loves everybody and he puts it out to everybody all the time. Okay? That's grace, you guys. That's grace. It's for you. So then what do we got to do? Jesus makes it really clear. There's three things. Let me read the passage real quick, the verse. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, they accept it, they retain it, and by persevering, they produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Could you guys throw that verse up on the screen for me? Um, It's the last one in the section that I gave you. Should be the last slide. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, accept it, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. You know, it's interesting, the definition of good in, this, in, the, in, the, in the original language, what good meant was that it was the, the good soil or a good heart. It was something that in its essence or in its characteristic was actually working or functioning in the way that it's supposed to be so that it produced what it was created for. And so that's all God is saying. Your heart, your heart is made for this fruit. Your heart is made to love. As I shared way back in the fall, your heart's greatest desire is not for blessing. Your greatest desire of your heart is to love. It's made for that. So when God finds a heart like that, here's what he says. Jesus says three things have to happen. The first thing is you have to accept the word. You have to accept the word. Now, it was kind of funny. Uh, Seriously, as I I threw, again, as I threw the seed out to you, thank you for reaching up your hand and trying to catch it. But I mean, seriously, most of you just went like this and you were like, ooh, ooh. You know, and I understand that because that's weird when a guy walks around throwing seed at you. I totally understand that. (laughs) Um, But what happens here? How's the state of your heart when you hear God's word? What do you, what do you feel going on in here? Do, do you feel a defensiveness? Do you feel a pride? Do you have pride? Because lots of times, and I'm talking to Chris, all Christians, people seeking after, all of us. Sometimes you walk in and a person's teaching and you hear something and you can just feel your heart just, you know, I know better than that. Um, What Jesus says is, the good soil that I can produce in accepts it. See, all the soils heard it, but not everybody listened. And really, it's just having a very humble stance of, I want to listen. You know that you guys, you know this is true in your human relationships. You run into certain people and you can just tell there's no receptivity, there's defensiveness or there's pride or there's no... You ever been in a conversation where you didn't say anything? I don't know why they call it a conversation, but um, where there's just no actual giving back and take or, or you can tell that you're trying to talk to your husband, you know, and he's got the mute on, right? And he's actually not listening at all. And you, you know that there's no actual relationship that's going to take place because there's no real listening that's going on. And how different that is when somebody puts everything aside and they look you right in the eye and their body language is just communicating. They want to know. Isn't that fun when somebody actually wants to hear your story? (laughs) When somebody actually cares about what you're saying? It's just beautiful. And every week here, 
God throws out his seed. His word goes out and it hits different types of hearts. And Jesus is saying, it's the humble heart. It's the open heart. It's the heart that's saying, I want to know. It's the heart that's seeking and asking questions and discussing it, that's reflecting on it. It's that type of heart that actually has something happen inside of it. And here's what it ultimately means, you guys, and there's just no other way to get around it. It's the heart that believes. It's the heart that says, you know what, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to trust you. That's all faith is. Faith means to believe. And, and, and that's the heart that needs the soil in our heart that actually God can move in and begin in. So let's just start here. Let me give you some action steps on this first one. How do we actually accept this thing? The first thing I think that needs to happen is you can tell. Can you guys, you guys know, right, when your heart's just not receptive? You can tell when it's got calloused or it's just whatever. And I think the first thing that needs to happen is we need to come to God and we need to say, God, I'm really sorry. And just be honest with him. This is the state of my heart. You know, a lot of us who are Christians, you know what we do? We like, we open up the Bible and we go, oh yeah, Matt, oh Luke 24, that's awesome. And then we go on and we go, John 15, no, no I don't like that one. All right, then we go to this one. And, and so what we do is we go, we choose certain things that we like about God and then other teachings we hear from God, we're like, oh, you get, right? Come on, we all do that, right? See, what he's saying is, to you've got to get all of us, so then all of you understand what it is to have an accepting heart, a believing heart, and a trusting heart. And if you find your heart sealed off, the door closed, for some reason it just feels hard, we're actually going to talk about that next week, so I'm not getting any more into that. But I know the first action step for us is just to come to God and say, God, I did, can I just confess to you? I don't feel very open right now. My heart feels pretty hard right now. You know what I think you can do? I think you can ask God to take a rototiller to your heart. (laughs) Bring it on. Soften my heart. Okay? And then here's some other action steps for you. Is put yourself, if, if you now, if you sit here and you go, no, I want good soil. I want this fruit. I want to be that type of person. Then an action step for you is, then put yourself in place over and over again to hear his word. Just keep hearing it. Come here every Sunday. Join a Life Together group. You guys, I say this a hundred times. Join K2U, which is going to start up in February. But get with some other people and start discussing this and asking your questions and let his word keep going into you. We're going to hit this in two weeks, so I won't go deeply into it. But read this thing. These are free ones. It's a Bible. They're out in the lobby. Grab this thing and read it. And when you read it, open up your heart. And just say, God, I'm going to trust that what you say is real and true. And he says, you know what? A good heart, a heart that works, a heart that will grow, is a heart that will be humble enough to say, you know what, God? I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to believe you. But then he goes, that's not enough. Then the second thing that happens is he says this. Once you've actually taken in his word and you've accepted it, he says, now you've got to retain it. You have to retain it. In fact, I actually have a, a, I wasn't going to do this, but this thing of, of here, this is like really good soil. How many of you have good soil at your house? Okay. Not very, yeah, you're right. You live in Utah. I know. So um, how many of you have like really sandy soil? Okay. Because you live in sandy. And, uh, but, but seriously, you pour the water in and it's just like gone. 
right? How many of you have clay? See, that, that's me. We planted a tree two years ago, and I dug up this huge hole. It took me all day because the ground was so hard. And then, you know, you're supposed to pour water in. I poured it. It was a pool. And the water just, it never went into the soil. And so what Jesus is saying is this. Good soil is soil that it's nice and it's soft and it's receptive. It'll receive it, but then he says you have to retain it. And this is what retaining means. It simply means you hold on to it. You hold on to it. Here's what Jesus said in John 8, 31. He says, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, my, my guess would be that many of you have heard, you know what Jesus says? You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. <laughs> Woohoo! You know, but what we don't, what we don't do is we, we forget to go back and go, now how's that work? He says, you actually have to hold to my teaching. You know, what does it mean to hold to it? To hold to it says, I'm going to do it. See, the Bible talks about all the time, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. In fact, faith, believing without action, the Bible says, is just dead. And I just want to tell you, this one right here is the key to 2012 for you. If you're a Christian here today, there are so many of you I know who are sitting in here and your personal experience of God is not that great. You look back a year from now and you go, you know what, man, my fruit is less than it was a year ago. Or it's just been the same. In fact, it's been the same for years. I haven't experienced any type of growth at all in my life. Now, how many of you have ever been through a season like that? Okay, and all of you who didn't raise your hand are liars. Because, (laughs) seriously, we all as human beings go through these seasons, even as Christians, where we aren't experiencing the fruitfulness. And I want to guarantee you, in my life, personally, it has always been when I've run into something that God wants me to do, from his word, or his spirit is speaking to me, and I won't do it. Guaranteed, stilling your growth right there. That would be Ashlyn next year going to the door, and she's shorter than she was. That's not a good year. Or even being the same. The kid's supposed to grow. Do you guys know you're supposed to be growing as followers of Christ? And the number one reason that you and I don't grow is because we don't hold to his teaching. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciple. Then you'll know the truth. (laughs) See, here's what I learned. You can go ahead and sit here on Sundays and take in everything that we tell you, and it can absolutely make no difference whatsoever in your life. It'll be an acorn that you can just stomp on. And the main reason it doesn't make any difference in your life is because you don't take it and actually apply it. But I'm going to tell you this right now. You don't need more anything, probably most of us, because we always want more experience, and I need more of this, and I need more of that. And really, you know what you need? You need to do the one thing that Jesus is asking you to do. And if you hold to his teaching you'll really be his disciple. Then you'll know the truth. You'll experience it. And then the truth will set you free. And I want to encourage you, 2012, get to the point where you accept it, where you believe it, where you trust it. But then secondly, retain it. Hold on to it. Actually do what it says. 
And then the last thing Jesus says, accept it, retain it. And then he says, and by persevering, we produce a crop. And here's what's interesting, you guys. My brother and I were talking this last year, and he just told me, he said, Dave, you know what? I think he goes, maybe the key word right now in American Christianity is this word persevere. Because most of us, according to Jesus too, many of us are going to be excited at one time about God and about his word. But not very many people keep fighting through it till the end. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. And so if that's true, then many of you right now, and you all raised your hand and said, man, I want that. If Jesus is right, three out of four of you by December probably won't be here. And you'll be looking back at January and going, I'm the same. Or I'm worse. Oh, I hate that. (laughs) That's why we're doing the series. Because what we want you to know is you're going to believe things, you're going to try things, but you have to persevere. And this is where most Christians, especially in America, we want it easy. This was my hot dog buns, you guys. This was that whole idea, but I want it to be comfortable and I want it to be easy and I want everything to work. And again, Jesus, what's really good isn't always just what works. And so what this means by persevering is you're going to need to keep listening to his word. You're going to need to keep applying it. You're going to need to keep struggling with it. Keep discussing it. Keep trying it. Keep trusting him. And it cannot be based on how you feel. You've got to stick with it. Because here's the beauty, I think, of what Jesus shared with us about a seed. Is a seed grows, right? But it grows really slowly, doesn't it? I mean, how many of you, when you put the seed in, went, whoa, look at that! You know, and I I think what you do is you come on Sunday and you're like, give it to me, and I just want a miracle grow, like super, super, supernatural miracle grow. And I love the fact that Jesus said, a seed grows slowly and gradually. But what's happening is it is getting more complex and more beautiful and more of exactly what it was created to be. And what happens is you keep trusting, keep walking, keep receiving, keep listening, keep testing, just keep doing it. And then all of a sudden you look back and you go, wow, I'm different. And everybody around you goes, yeah, you're different. And that's how it works. I don't think there's any magic. Oh, it's magical. It's supernatural. It's powerful. But it takes accepting and retaining and persevering. And can I just ask you, would you do that with us this year? Would you do that with us this year? Would you come and hang on and keep seeking and keep receiving and keep digging and keep connecting yourself with other people so that by the end of the year you can go, man, following God has been the greatest adventure of my life. What Jesus says is, if you'll do that, I will produce within you my fruit and I'll produce through you a fruit that will change the world. So let's pray. God, I ask that, especially in this beginning month of January, as we kick off this year, that you'd help all of us to be really honest about our own hearts and honest about how we feel towards you and um, honest about our questions and our doubts and to be, be willing and to know that it's, it's always the right thing to ask our questions. It's always the right thing to present our, our doubts. It's always the right thing to be honest with you about the state of our heart. But God, would you come in and keep sowing your seed, keep putting your truth 
and your word that can change the world, change our hearts, and literally produce a living, dynamic, supernatural, eternal life inside of us. Would you do that? Jesus, you said that's what the kingdom of God does for every heart that's good soil. So we pray for the grace to accept what you say, to take you at your word, to hold on to it, to trust you, to follow you, and to obey you, and to keep doing it for the long haul. Would you give us that grace in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, you guys, so here's what we're going to do. Um, the band's going to come forward, and you can see up here, um, we're going to take communion together. And uh, one of the things I love about communion is this is one of those things that Jesus said, hey, here's a teaching you've got to hold on to. In fact, this is the most important teaching that you've got to hold on to. So when he was right before he died, he sat before his disciples and he said, listen, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this in remembrance of me because you're going to have to remember because it's going to be really hard for you to remember that all of your sin is taken care of. Sometimes as a human, it's hard to remember that God really loves you. And the gospel is God loves you. And you don't have to clean up your act for him. You don't have to get good enough for God. God says, I'll take you exactly how you are and then I will completely forgive you and then I'll do the work inside your heart and I'll change you. See, that's what this represents. So you're gonna come down anytime as we're worshiping and you're gonna grab a piece of bread because Jesus said, take this bread and make sure that you remember in remembrance that this is my body broken for you. If you're a follower of Christ today, you come down, you take this body and you go, thank you. Because what Jesus was saying, don't forget, I gave everything I had for you. If you ever wonder right now if I love you or not, here's the example. I came for one reason, that was to die, to sacrifice my life for you. That's the gospel. It's the good news of God. And he didn't ask you to clean yourself up first. Just remember that. What an amazing love that God has for us. And then he said, and don't forget, while I was on the cross and I was shedding my blood, my blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sin. So this is good news. And sometimes, man, you struggle with your sin and you start feeling guilty and you accuse, you, you buy the lies, and you feel condemned and you accuse yourself and you hear the accuser lie to you and say, there's no way God could love you. No, no, no. Are you kidding me? He loves me. You guys, this is the teaching you have to hold on to more than any other. This, when you grasp the gospel, that Jesus came to die and to give his life for you when you could care less about him, he didn't wait till you loved him and then did it for you. He said, when you didn't care about me, when you were a sinner, that's when I died for you. When you know that, that type of love changes your heart. When you know that there's no condemnation towards you and you're completely forgiven of all of your sin, all of it, and that God will forgive you for everything and cleanse you and give you the power to live differently, the holding on to that teaching changes your heart and gives you the power. That's the power of the gospel to live a different life.